What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good Monday morning, Birds fans. Thanks for streaming in with us here on Birds 365. He'd be Mac. I'd be Mac. That makes this Mac a Mac on uh, your Jacob Media YouTube channel. Johnny Mac uh, getting ready to do some weekend broadcasts uh, yesterday and then uh, Birds here this morning. Something uh, passed into my gray area and brought back a memory that I wasn't working with you at the time, and I don't know that we've ever discussed before. Um, it came up for two reasons. Number one, yesterday was an anniversary, and number two, some video I saw last night. The Kansas City Chiefs and San Francisco 49ers rolled into Vegas last night to get ready for the upcoming Super Bowl, and just one year ago, that was the Philadelphia Eagles getting off a plane and getting ready to play in the Super Bowl against the Kansas City Chiefs, so that uh, bummed me out a little bit. Um, 
But yesterday was also an anniversary. You and I were not doing Birds 365 just yet. How cold was it when you came out of the stadium after the Eagles Super Bowl victory in Minnesota eight years ago? Yeah, it was pretty cold. Um, you 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 did you did time in Minnesota, so yeah, I, you I were kind of in... used to it. I know Eagle fans, even though it's not like we're we're South Beach here in Philadelphia, not as cold as Minnesota. Um, I remember people calling WIP the next couple of days, going, "It was freezing," but because the Eagles won, it didn't bother me. And then about a week later, go, "Oh man, was it cold?" They were still in the moment after winning the Super Bowl. The weather had no effect on them. Then they realized. Holy mackerel, we just walked out of a Super Bowl championship game and I couldn't feel my fingers. Uh, Johnny Mac got internet issues again. Yeah, I, I, you're right. I lived there for like 10 years. Uh oh. Uh, yeah, I'm having technical difficulties this morning. So hopefully we can get to the break and I can try to figure something out. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I lived out there for about so it's funny you get used to it out there but then when you leave oh it leaves you pretty quick um and it's cold i i I, for me it was more during the week they had the stuff at the mall of america which is in bloomington which is a little bit south of minneapolis you know the hotels are basically across the street but it's this really really big parking lot the mall of america was the biggest uh, uh, mall in, in, in the world at one point. Actually, I think King of Prussia beat it now, but at one point, it was really big. So I'm, uh, I'm not going to wait for the shuttle because these shuttles take forever. I'm going to I'm gonna walk across the, the, the Mall of America parking lot. I can see my hotel, mind you. Um, and I got about 15 feet out and said, no, I'm not doing it. I'd probably be dead at that point. I tried to do it. It was, it was, yeah, it was brutal. Uh, I love Minnesota. Uh, It's a great place to live. It's a great place to raise a family. You get six weeks of the most weather in the world, only six weeks, but I do not advocate having Super Bowls there. And they've had two. That should be it. And, and and but that might be the best stadium in the country. Also, the the new one. It's unbelievable. But uh, no, I can't have bowls there. I, I, I it's just it's awful. It, it it especially in February, early February. It just doesn't make sense. Right, and that's the thing that surprises me. The whole reason they have two weeks off between the championship game and the Super Bowl is all the pomp and circumstance, is all the events that they're going to run, is all of the butt-kissing of million, if not billion-dollar sponsors. Why do you want to make them uncomfortable? Because it's a nice stadium? That doesn't make any sense. You want to, If you're going to take the time and, and give a theme an extra week off and make your major fan base, the majority of the people, wait two weeks for the game for a very specific and small crew, why don't you do whatever is possible to make it best for them? Why the hell do you put it in Minnesota in February? That makes no sense whatsoever to me. 
Yeah, it doesn't. You know, because they wanted to show off the facility and, and, you know, part of it. I I will say, you know, like this week in Las Vegas, the people that are out there for the game, they got to be shipped uh, because they want to keep the players away from the strip for obvious reasons. They're staying like 35, 40 minutes away in Lake Las Vegas, at least by car. And you got to shuttle people out there. And the Mall of America, we just walked to the other side of the mall and you could talk to the uh, Patriots and the Eagles were on one. The other side, you talked to the Eagles. So that part was really convenient. Um, but other than that, uh, uh, yeah, it, it's just you want to go out and have some fun. I, I was advocating New Orleans is the best city for Super Bowls because, you know, you have Bourbon, Bourbon Street. There's a party type atmosphere. I think that's and that's a dump. Let's be honest at this stage, the Superdome, but the other stuff make um, the actual week leading up to the to the game. And that's the funnest place to have a Super Bowl. It'd be nice if they could upgrade the stadium, but it's not the end of the world. Um, yeah, they just wanted to show off the stadium and nobody cares about it. It's beautiful. I said it's probably the best facility in the country. Um, but who cares? Right. You know? It doesn't, doesn't add up, doesn't pay the eventual bill. And you said it was convenient because you walked across the parking lot of the Mall of America, where John McMullen almost died trying to walk across the parking lot of the Mall of America. So uh, how convenient is it if you die while walking across the parking lot? That's not good. All right. I just wanted to bring that up because yesterday was the anniversary of the Eagles winning the Super Bowl and Philly special and all that. And uh, it reminded me of a better time. Because that's not the case right now. We're not talking about the Eagles going to the Super Bowl, John. We're talking about the Eagles putting together a coaching staff. Uh, it became official yesterday, something you and I talked about last week here on Birds. Uh, one of the worst-kept secrets in the world is who's going to be the new Eagles quarterback coach. Even though it took a couple of days to make it official, uh, the rampant speculation was it was going to be Doug Nussmeyer. Because not only had he been the quarterback coach with Kellen Moore in Dallas, when Moore got up and went to Los Angeles last year when he was scapegoated by the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Um, We throw that phrase around here on Bird 365. I think you have to reach a certain level for something to become scapegoating. I can't think of a better example than Kellen Moore getting the Evo last year in Dallas. The Dallas offense was fine. Dallas offense was very good. Check the rankings, check the ratings. They performed last year. They didn't get the job done in the playoffs. Somebody had to go. The coach wasn't going. The quarterback wasn't going. All right, we'll throw Kellen Moore overboard. We'll scapegoat him. Um, well, Doug Neusmeyer went right out the door with him to Los Angeles to become the Chargers quarterback coach. So now he's coming with uh, Kellen Moore again here to Philadelphia. Uh, I don't know Doug Neusmeyer uh, personally, I don't know if you've ever had a chance to interview him or talk to him and the like. Um, if Kellen Moore says he's good and you like Kellen Moore, I think you have to assume that Doug Nussmeyer will be very good at his job. Uh, just from a general perspective, I'm good with the hire because I think Jalen Hurts needs a little bit of a push. Um, Howie Roseman said last week, uh, he, he and, and I think Nick might have said it as well, um, maybe they need to make some people uncomfortable. Well, I, I don't necessarily want uncomfortable, but here's what I would say about the change in the coaching staff. Some of the players will be less comfortable, and I'm okay with that. How about you? 
Well, that's the thought process, certainly. I mean, that's the word I keep hearing. Guys got too comfortable, you know, from the head coach on down, certain people, and you have a ton of success, and that is a little bit of human nature. So to create, uh, uh, you know, more on-edge environments where there's more of a sense of urgency, perhaps that could be uh, a good thing. It all depends how it works out. Yeah, I mean, the guy's got to be a good coach. I mean, he's been – he was a great quarterback in college way back in the 90s at Idaho. He he, he So he knows how to play the position from uh, – he's played the position. He's coached everywhere, college-level, high-level high programs too, Alabama, Michigan, Florida, et cetera, et cetera. Michigan State's in there. I think Washington's in there. Offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach, and here at the pro level – you know, it's been Dak Prescott, Justin Herbert are pretty good. Um, so, you know, to me, it's the, I always say it's the pendulum theory. So they had inexperience and now they're going to experience. Uh, and that's sort of how it works. Oh, oh, why, why didn't it work? Well, we had a first time play caller. We had a, a first time quarterback coach. Now you got a guy who's been coaching quarterback since Vic Fangio was in diapers. I'm joking. He's younger than Vic, but he's been coaching quarterbacks a long time. So I think it's that when you, it, it, everybody does it, not just the Eagles. I'm not picking on the Eagles. When one thing doesn't work, the pendulum goes back and you try the other thing. Um, will it work? We'll see. Um, but I don't think, you know, I think it's got much more to do with personnel. I say it all the time. Coaches are important. I'm not trying to say they're not important. They're more important than football than any other professional sport. But at the end of the day, if you don't have players, you you can't win. And most of it goes on the shoulders of Jalen Hurts. And he's got to figure out, you know, what went wrong. Just like this team, this organization as a whole, what went wrong down the stretch? What am I not doing well? He's got to see. Now, the good thing is, from my perspective, Jalen has always been that type of person. Like, what am I not doing well? I'm going to work on that, and I'm going to improve it. Um, but, yeah, he's not a magician. He doesn't magically wave a wand, uh, nor did Alex Tanny in a negative fashion, magically wave a wand and, and turn Jalen Hurts from runner-up MVP candidate to a guy who – didn't look very good down the stretch, let's be honest, of the season. So I, I think I think he's a good coach. I think, you know, I think Kellen Moore's a good coach. I think Brian Johnson's a good coach. So sometimes you need change. Um, and that's probably where the Eagles are. We talk about it with Andy Reid all the time as he gets ready to try to win another Super Bowl this week. I do not fault the Eagles at all for moving on from Andy Reid. Even though he's arguably one of the greatest, not arguably, he's certainly one of the greatest coaches of all time, but his shelf life was over here. He needed a, a change. The Eagles needed a change. He needed a change. Everybody needed a change. The Eagles may have needed a change, but yeah, it's personnel first. It's always personnel first. And soon enough, it will become quote unquote Howie season where we change our focus to the player personnel over the coaching. But there is one more coaching point I do want to bring up. Uh, we got two good guests joining us today. Jeff Kerr is going to jump in uh, less than 10 minutes from now. And then 
Uh, Brian Cameron from Philly Sports Network is going to be on in hour number two. You talked about the pendulum swinging. You have a series of coaches. When you go the other direction, you go uh, as much 180 as, as possible. One place that they may not have done that, though, is a defensive coordinator. Uh, uh, Jeff Mosher, who I'm going to try and get on the show later this week, uh, couldn't do it this week because he was down at the Senior Bowl, tried to get him last week. Uh, and he said, Jody, I just can't. Give me a, a, a reach out next week. Um, on his uh, latest uh, podcast with Adam Kaplan and our buddy uh, Andrew Checo, was talking about uh, comments he was getting, conversations he was having with uh, agents and may may be an intimate and eagle player that uh last year there was a disconnect between Sean Desai and some of his defensive players that they just weren't getting his message and weren't responding to the type of coaching he was trying to do and that was a reason why that Sirianni pulled the plug when he did in what seemed to be a drastic if not panic fashion that there was a real disconnect between uh Desai and some of his players I don't know if that's accurate. Jeff's real good at his job. He knows who to talk to. Uh, I'm sure that he was getting the information and, and he put stock in it. Um, if that was the case, then it's maybe a little more understandable as to why Sirianni did what he did. But the results are in and the change didn't help a little bit by putting Matt Patricia in there, too. You are held accountable. Yeah, that, that people make. forget that. That helps, Sean, a little bit. Yeah, it does. It really yeah. does. Um, but they go in a new direction, and the new direction is Vic Fangio. We all know about Vic Fangio. We know it's the Fangio defense. Vic is a gruff old Italian guy. He's not going to come in here and, and pat guys on the back and give them a hug. Uh, if there was a disconnect with Sean Desai, Vic has had a series of disconnects with players that he's been coaching over the last umpteen years. He's a no-nonsense kind of guy. He's going to come in and he's going to uh, rule with an iron hand. Did the Eagles not sw uh, swing the pendulum up there, John? Are you going from a guy <laughs> who is disconnected to another guy who, while very good, is also not afraid to disconnect with his players and expect them to just get in line and do what he says. Yeah, no, I, I think the pendulum there is more experience as well. Um, as far as, you know, the word I kept hearing with Sean Desai was presence. He didn't have the type of presence that command the room. Um, you know, and you're coming off Jim Swartz who, walks in every building like he's a head coach. And that was part of the problem when if you go way back to Mike Lombardi, oh, he's trying to be the head coach. That's just who Jim is, man. He carries himself with that kind of swagger. Uh, and Jonathan Gannon, same way, he played the position, he played safety at a pretty high level before he got hurt. So he carries himself in a way that even though he's younger, uh, people tend to respect um, and Sean, you know, does it a different way. He's an educator. He's a teacher. That's his, that's his background. And he's more professorial. He's more trying to teach people. And, you know, how he went through some of this on the personnel side, where he's not a football guy, not a football guy. You got to be a football guy. That's what I think Sean was going through on the coaching end, you know, a little bit. Uh, it's not a perfect comparison, but that's that's what I would comp it to. And I think it's unfair. 
And I would remind people that Vic Fangio, who's got the big presence and it won't be a problem, and he's got the huge reputation. Now, it might be a problem. He might rub people the wrong way, but that's a different conversation. But nobody's going to go up to Vic Fangio and say, you don't belong here. Um, he's got that kind of presence. And that, I think, is the different part of it. But guess who recommended Sean decide to be the defensive coordinator? Big freaking Fangio. So mm-hmm. he's got a ton of respect for him. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me in another world if, you know, Sean never got this job and Vic came in this year just the same way, say, Denard Wilson got the job and got blown out, which he probably would have. So good, you know, uh, lucky for Denard long term, he didn't get the job. Um, and Vic came in this year. He probably would have hired Sean to be one of his coaches. That's how much he likes him. So, yeah, this this coaching stuff this time of year bothers me because everybody's kicking people in the you-know-what out the door, and then they go get jobs other places, and people are stunned. You know, well, how could he get a job? Because it, it's all bullshit. It's all, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to spin it because it's a, it's a public-facing industry I always talk about. So they're trying to spin it in a positive direction for them. And another city goes, well, that guy's pretty good. I'm going to hire him. And while Sean and Brian haven't gotten jobs yet, Marcus Brady got a job with Jim Harbaugh. Um, While they haven't gotten jobs yet, they will be patient and they will get jobs and they're not embarrassments around the league. And people don't think they're terrible coaches. Um, But that's the way this industry works. You get kicked out the door of one city and you got to go start over in another. And oh, by the way, even if either of those two guys miss a year, sit out a year this year, which may well happen, it uh, doesn't mean their coaching career is over and done with. And I've got evidence of that. I couldn't believe I read this morning. Ben McAdoo back in the NFL this upcoming season uh, after being an abject failure with the Giants as their head coach. Then he got a uh, offensive coordinator position in Carolina. Their offense stunk when he was there. He was out of the league in 2023. He's back in in 2024. Going to go work for the Patriots and Gerard Murrow. I, I thought that there was a good chance we were not going to see Ben McAdoo, who was almost hired. People forget this as the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles had to turn around on the New Jersey Turnpike to go back to become the head coach of the New York Giants. Yeah, bad coach, but the Patriots are going to give him a chance next year. So, uh, yeah, that's that's the carousel of coaches we're on right now. We'll talk about that and the upcoming Super Bowl with our first guest. He is our early Monday guy. Does a great job when we punch him up. So I'm putting the pressure on your car. You're going to have to do a great job again today. Jeff Kerr, CBS Sports, up next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. It is a Monday Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. I'm Jody McDonald. John McMullen disappeared. Now he's having uh, connection issues, little internet issues. That's not a problem because I've got Jeff Kerr to shoot the breeze with. And he joins us here on Birds 365. All right, Jeff Kerr, how much in front of your TV were you from 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock last night? Riveted to the NFL Pro Bowl. I had to work it. So, yeah, I had to watch the whole thing. Um, you did? There, yeah. Um, so... Basically, I don't like the flag football game. I watch it. I actually was more intrigued by the gridiron gauntlet and the tug of war and all the like the the meaningless games, right? You know, it, it's just fun to see pro athletes kind of do other things. So I was intrigued by that. So when halftime came, the third quarter came, I'm like, all right, let's go. This is fun. But the flag football game, I'm like, I, look, I, I get why fans like it. I'm just not into it. 55,000 yesterday in the stadium in Orlando. It, it's crazy. You know what? And it's a good thing for the league because it looks like they had something that hits with the Pro Bowl now. And yeah. I, I think fans can relate to that. You put in another market, Jody, like a market that doesn't have a team, I think you're going to get that. Enthused was our described the fans yesterday. More power to them. I uh, So I watched all this stupid stuff, too, including Thursday night because I was out to dinner and they added on the TV and the, the bar that I was at. Um, what was the dumbest skills competition that they had over Thursday into Sunday at the Pro Bowl? I forget what they call it. Uh, I don't like, maybe it's just me. I don't like the one where you, I guess, punt the football in the air. They use the machine and you're using all the footballs to catch it. Like, I don't know. I'm just not intrigued by that. Idiotic. 
that was stone cold idiotic. A guy holding three or four footballs. I saw one play yesterday where the guy actually transferred the ball, held it between his legs so he could get one arm free and catch one more. It was the dopiest thing I've ever seen in my life. I get catching is part of football. I get, but when are you ever going to be asked to hold four footballs? I want to hold three footballs and catch one more. Dumbest thing I've seen. I'm glad you and I saw that exactly the same, and there were no Eagles involved in that. Eagles in general in the Pro Bowl, uh, get the job done. Uh, Jalen Hurts played some in the flag game. The big guys did well in the competition and the tug of war and stuff like that. Eagles uh, handled their business well in Orlando this weekend? Uh, I thought they did. So when they did the gridiron gauntlet, it was funny. Land Dickerson actually admitted he uh, hit his head when he moved up the the wall, um, you know, American Ninja Warrior style. So I, I have people respond to me, oh, I hope he doesn't have a concussion. I'm like, even if he does, like, he's got six months. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, but I thought that was fun. I thought Jason Kelsey on the sled was fun when they were pushing him. You know, that that to me, that's something I enjoy, you know, the linemen getting their, their chances to shine. And by the way, it's amazing what happens when Jalen Hurts gets three weeks off on, on a knee that was clearly bothering him the whole year. You know, he's moving really well. Uh, you know, again, you're playing flag football. It's not, you're not, you don't have pads on, but you get three weeks off of anything when you have an injured part of your body, it's going to feel better. Except one thing, and Johnny Max back with us, um, about his knee. Uh, I mentioned this in the first segment of the show. Yesterday was the anniversary of the Eagles Super Bowl win eight years ago. And the play that comes immediately to mind is always uh, the Philly special. Jalen Hurts is a pass receiver. Uh He had one attempt to catch. I've got more rise than Jalen Hurts had on that play. And I can't jump anymore. I'm 60-something. I can't get up anymore. My my hops are gone. So are Jalen Hurts's. No worry about the knee on that one. That was... That was not a good pass catch attempt by Jalen Hurts. I, I, I don't. I think that was more of a business decision. It's like you okay, think so. He thought yeah, he yeah, thought yeah. better of trying to jump up and catch that ball. Yeah, I I think so. It's like I ain't going full extent for this. No, not doing it. Yeah, I'm back. Hopefully for a little bit more, but I'm having technical difficulties this morning, Jeff. So hopefully it holds. But uh, uh, yeah, Pro Bowl. Oof. I I just you know. I, I've advocated for many years, uh, get rid of the game. Now they have gotten rid of the game, but they kept around this nonsense. I'm like, just keep the honor, get rid of it all. And, and, and you know, hell, move up to Super Bowl a week. I think that would be great. Oh, I would I think, love that. Yeah, yeah, that's not happening. You know it, I yeah. know it, everybody knows I know. it. I know, I know Never it's going not back for the next week. But, yeah, I mean, uh, Jason Kelsey getting to go – down there have fun with his uh, his kids that's that's good stuff and 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 i do think it is i always tell jody all-star game i grew as i grew older i didn't like him and for years i couldn't figure out i loved him when i was young and i i i really looked forward to him and i said boy man i am becoming jaded which i probably am but and i said why don't i like all-star games because i hate them and it was like, they're for kids. So that's what it is. And the kids are having fun. So that part of it's good. But I wouldn't get too wrapped up in it. Uh, it's the only thing. The NFL, if you look at the TV ratings, what are they? 48 of the top 50 shows. The only thing that doesn't draw is the Pro Bowl. It, it, it literally doesn't draw. It's, it's, still it's better top. than most names. Oh, yeah. I'll tell it's you, still the God, top sporting event you. of the weekend, too. I'll tell you, literally, it will be the number one show at the time zone. No, no, no. But 
like the baseball star game, the basketball all star game will will draw higher than the than than the Pro Bowl, which is astonishing. Well, I, because... I'll take I'll take the basketball. I'll take the Pro Bowl over the basketball. Baseball still has some draw, but not NBA and surely not NHL. NHL no, no, NHL, no. Uh, I haven't checked the NBA recently. I, I, it may have fallen off a cliff, as most most of TV is. I know baseball's still ahead of it, you but know, even even baseball alone—that's astonishing because nothing beats the NFL. But that's how bad the Pro Bowl is. Yeah, you know what drives me nuts about these All Star games, Alan? Again, maybe it's because I liked them when I was a kid, but I just felt—and I watch old All Star games, you know. I'll, up on YouTube, I'll put on old NBA All Star games, you know, old Pro Bowls and stuff. They go harder in those games. Um, well, yeah, and yeah. I don't know if it's a generational thing, but the NBA All Star game is—it's a circus. It, it literally is a circus. There's no basketball involved. It's—it's it's not even fun. The player draft is the stupidest thing to ever happen. Oh yeah, uh, don't even get me started. Uh, at least play Eastern Conference versus Western Conference. Don't even start with. Yeah, see, I I like the the draft. Yeah. I think that adds a little suspense. I'm waiting for that uncomfortable moment, like last year. Uh, they kept passing on the Joker, and he's the only. The two-time defending MVP who's sitting there and they're picking everybody else before him. Yeah. He selected himself to make himself the next to last pick. Yeah, you know what? You know why they do that? That because was great. Can't, that was you know, great television. You know why they can't? You know why no one picks him? Because they know he can't play defense when it matters. That Paul Reed's oh. that. You're, you're gonna get on the job. But but I'll I'll tell you what, he plays at least uh, certain. But the reason to your point about the baseball and basketball game, and even when they played the actual Pro Bowl. Football is not a game that that lends itself to an all-star format because you can go out and get hurt, and nobody wants to go out. And, now, you can – obviously, Joel Embiid proves you can get hurt in basketball. You can get hurt in baseball. But let's be honest, much less risk. So guys get out there, and, you know, you can't play football in an all-star environment or you're going to get hurt. So it looks like it, what it used to look like. You know who had a great format for a couple of years and then they ditched it this year? Hockey. They had the, the the divisional formats. You had the four divisions play as all-stars and you did a three-on-three tournament and the winning team got a lot of money. And there was like divisional pride and they, they, these guys acted like they did win the Stanley Cup when they won. Then they now, went back to the player draft. It's stupid. Now, I would say, and I, I don't know where you guys are. We're off on an all-star tangent. But the worst rule, in my opinion, in the history of sports was when they gave the winner of the all-star game in baseball home field advantage oh, yeah, in the it. World I, Series. I mean, you play 162 games. You could be... 10, 15 games ahead of number two. Yeah, so that rarely happens, but and it doesn't matter because the other guy on some goofball team that has nothing to do with you gave up a run in the ninth and it it was the dumbest rule in the history of sports. The Phillies did not have home field advantage in the 2008 World Series because Brad Lidge came in the game in the 16th inning and blew the game. It was yeah, a tie game. Brad Lidge blew it. Well, so at least, at least it was Brad Lidge. Yeah, at least it was Brad Lidge. Yeah. Usually it's somebody else from somebody that has nothing to do with you. At least that had something to do with the Phillies. Yeah, you, know, you know what drove me nuts when they changed it, John? So one of the best All-Star games I ever saw was that 2002 All-Star game. You know, everybody remembers Story Hunter, Robbie Barry Bonds, and, you know, in the first thing of that game. And, 
and all that. And then they tie, and Bud Selig was embarrassed. I'm like, this is a great game. No, it was 9-9, nine, nine, 11 innings. Yeah. Like, who cares if it was a tie? It's an exhibition game. Yeah. I, I didn't. I understood when they did it at the time. The All-Star game was plummeting backwards. And like with everything in, in sports and certainly life, it, dollars talk, everything else walks. The TV partners were twisting Bud Selig's back and said, you got to do something to make the All-Star. We're paying you a lot of money to broadcast the All-Star game, and we're doing diddly squat for ratings. So he implemented it. He kept it around a couple extra years, which he didn't need to do. But for one year, it would have been fine. It would have been different than go back to doing it the way you did it. So like with a lot of things, Bud Selig, a little slow to act, but his overall decision to begin with was all money-driven. I can guarantee you that. All right. Um, so we put the Pro Bowl behind us. Eagles this week, a lot of coaching moves. We know the two coordinator hires, Doug Neusmeyer as the quarterback coach. If Kellen Moore says he's his guy, he's his guy. Um, how much more refurbishing of the coaching staff room are they going to have to do, uh, Jeff Kerr? Uh, we've got some guys who are going to make it through the uh, offseason and the Sirianni uh, lost, came close to losing his job. How much of the new coordinator is going to change other guys on his staff, do you think? Well, unless your name's Jeff Stoutland, I don't think you're coming back. Uh, you think everybody's going? I think, I a think lot there's a couple. I think there's a couple guys to well, keep. DJ Elliott's gone. Well, DJ's gone. Yeah, yeah. DJ's gone. No, the um, the DJ's gone. The defensive backs coach, they're gone. Uh, all of them. Um, I would say Washburn's interesting. Jeremiah Washburn. I, I think Warhead might step. Yeah, Moorhead. Well, Devontae Smith was talking about him like he was still here. So to me, that seems that seems like they're looking for somebody else. But if they don't get somebody else, maybe he comes back. That seems to be what they're doing with Aaron. Jason Michael's interesting to me because he's very close to Nick Sirianni, the tight ends coach. Kevin Kevin Patullo, obviously. Yeah, Kevin's staying. Um, Jamal Singleton is interesting, too. He's the assistant head coach, running backs coach. So um, a couple guys have a chance to stay. But if if Kellen Moore comes in and says, I got a running backs coach, well. See you later. Yeah. Um, so I think it's one of those things where one of, one of the things, like everybody, as you know, Jeff, in the NFL knew Doug Nussmeyer was coming. So what was the holdup? The holdup was he was under contract with the Chargers. So until Jim Harbaugh made the decision, they wanted to keep him around in limbo and say, well, in case we need him, we have him. So when Harbaugh indicated, nope, I'm going to go in a different direction, which ironically will include Marcus Brady of the Eagles, um, all of a sudden you get Doug Nussmeyer. So that's sort of the untawdry world of NFL coaching. It's the same thing with Eric Bieniemy. Until last night, Eric Bieniemy was under contract with the Washington Commanders, and now yeah. that they hired Cliff Kingsbury, Eric Bieniemy is officially on the market. And I heard there are teams calling for him already. So, let yeah, me, let me ask you about Cliff Kingsbury. John and I discussed him last week. I think it was after we had you on on Monday. What's the fascination? I don't get it. <laughs> Cliff Kingsbury was, I remember him, I was at the one game he played as a Jet quarterback. He was on the Jets for a while. <laughs> That's why you, you hold him against you don't like Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> there it is. It all makes sense. It, 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 it has nothing to do with my evaluation of him as a coach. But I just don't get the fascination. 
He was uh, a guy who put up some offensive numbers, didn't necessarily win football games, on the collegiate level, and then the Cardinals hire him because the new general wants to go with a complete air raid offense, so they moved to um, Kyler Murray as the first pick of the draft. I know they got off to a good start one year under him, 8-0, and then finished, I think, 10-7 and seven or something ridiculously bad. As good as they were in the first half, they were almost as bad in the second half. A uh, couple teams competing for his position, even after he takes a sabbatical and comes back and holds Caleb Williams' hand this year. And by the way, Caleb Williams, not as good this year as he was the previous year. No, I was Kingsbury comes in yeah. and he goes backwards. Oh, yeah, let's grab him as our offensive quarter. Why is everybody fawning over Cliff Kingsbury, including the Philadelphia Eagles, who certainly talked to him? I don't see it. Do you, Jeff Kerr? I, I'll... Can I just say this about Caleb Williams? I love his talent. I hate his attitude. I just hate his attitude toward everything. Oh, well, I want to pick where I get to go. Dude, dude, you're not that good. I hate it when Eli Manning did it too, by the way. I'm like, I, I don't care. Oh, yeah. I don't care how good you are. You John Elway pick. back in the day, by the way. Yeah, uh, I, I kind of disrespect Elway for that. So, yeah, I, I'm not crazy about it, guys. Like, I, I just – I don't know. Caleb Williams, to me, I think there were a lot of off-the-field distractions with him this year, something that Cliff Kingsbury could not fix. Lincoln Riley could not fix. Like you said, Jody, Cliff Kingsbury basically held his hand the entire season, man. I I, don't know. I, I mean, uh, everybody can see the talent of of Caleb Williams, but, you know, if you have the power to steer yourself in a certain direction, I guess I don't blame you because, remember, if you don't go to the right spot, you, your whole career can be blown up. We saw it like a, a lot of people say, what a boss David Carr was. Well, yeah, he was. Would he have been if he wasn't getting sacked 75 times with the worst offensive line in the but history ca- of football? Counter, counterpoint, the coach of me always says, well, if you're that good, you'd be able to fix the problem. Well, I I, 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 I don't think David Carr was a good quarterback. I, I Even with his bad offensive line playing on an expansion team, I, I just don't think he ever got any better. In in the case of of Kingsbury, to Jody's point, I mean, yeah, he wasn't. He didn't. He 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 was good. He was really good offensively uh, in college. He he wasn't a great head coach, you know. And you probably don't want him to be a head coach. But offensively, I mean, Case Keenum set records with Cliff Kingsbury, Johnny Manziel, uh, everybody, Patrick Mahomes. Oh, yeah, obviously Patrick Mahomes most notably, but people look at Patrick Mahomes and put it as a negative because they say, well, he couldn't win games with Patrick Mahomes. Um, And that's why I bring up the other guys. It's been pretty consistent, obviously, Kyler Murray, Jody brought up at the pro level. Um, he's, He's pretty consistent offensively. As a head coach, the other side of the football, which matters, has been a big issue for him. But he's not the head coach. If the Eagles would have hired Cliff Kingsbury, we talked about it, Jody. I would have been fine with that. Yeah, I would have been that, that 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 would have been fine for me. Uh, he was the guy I didn't want, but I would have been 50-50 on the hire because he is innovative. I, I'll, I'll give him that. He would it, it, that definitely would have been the change of pace. I, I think it's going to be interesting in the NFC East because you have all this incestuous stuff going on. Dallas, you know, with uh, uh, losing Dan Quinn to Washington, and now Joe Witt going to Washington. You got, you know, even even the guys who didn't get jobs, Giants uh, interviewed Denard Wilson, um, 
Eagles interviewed Cliff Kingsbury. Washington hires him. It's weird. It's weird. Everybody is replacing somebody significant coaching-wise in the NFC East. Yeah, yeah. It's very uh, weird. From an Eagle perspective, be thankful, Birds fans. I, I have no fear of Cliff Kingsbury and his creative offense coming in here with Washington. First of all, we don't even know who the quarterback is, unless, of course, we ask Ed Kratz will be on with us tomorrow, who will once again yeah, go to I think, Sam Howell. I think it, he's it, going. Yeah. I think I, he's it will, going against Sam. Yeah. Yeah. It, it will not be Sam Howell. You think they're going to use the second pick on the draft on a quarterback? Okay. And they hope uh, it's Caleb Williams. Yeah, they hope it's Caleb. They hope yeah. Chicago kind of says, you know what, we're good with Justin Fields. We'll, we'll go Which ain't going to happen. That ain't yeah. going to happen either. What do you think the Bears are going to get for Justin Fields? What do you um, think they're going to get? I think they could get a first for him. It depends really? on how desperate a team is. Like, what if the Pittsburgh Sewers call him and say, we'll give you a first? You do it, right? Hmm. Hmm. I'll tell you where he could end up. It depends on on a couple things, but I think he could end up with Vegas. The Raiders have Aiden O'Connell, and Jimmy G is out the door there. I would not be surprised if uh, uh, Vegas is the next stop for uh, Justin Fields. Don't know that. No inside information there. Just yeah, I, the, I think the Ducks seem to line up for me. For him I like to see Justin Fields with uh, Zach Robinson in Atlanta. I, I think that would be a good fit. Yeah, well, he's got a ton of talent. I I don't know. It's amazing. We talked about coaches. Jody and I were talking about coaches. One of the guys who um, is a perfect example of, well, Nathaniel Hackett with Jody's Jets would be one, and these Green Bay's Luke Getze would be the other one. It's like he's in Las Vegas. I, I think that alone, Jody, would eliminate Justin Fields' From two ways. I, I don't think Getze would want him, and I don't think Justin would want Luke Getze. So I don't know how he fits in Las Vegas. Um, but, but boy, I think he did a lot of damage to Justin Fields. And can somebody... Yeah, you're not a Getze guy. i tell you what, Vegas, for my mind, Vegas did better getting Getze than they did getting the stiff who is now going to be the offensive coordinator of the Washington Commanders. Uh, Here, here's a curveball. What about Seattle? Boy, I you know I think Gino, they're still willing to ride the Geno train. Yeah, Geno's they, they only got one year though. Train. Why does everybody want to get rid of Geno so quickly? I mean, it, he, you know what it is, John? I like Geno, but it's clear the limitations are there. Like you can you can win football games with him, but is the best you can do ten and seven? Well, yeah, that's the old adage. Would you rather be are are we going the NBA route? If you're not a significant Super Bowl contender, do you try to lose on purpose? Unfortunately, I think a lot of people are going in that direction. Too many people from my standpoint. It, 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 you know what sucked last year? So when I'm watching the playoffs, I'm watching the wildfire round, and I watched a lot of Seahawks games last year. I was so impressed with that team and how they were able to just even make the playoffs. And then, you know, you're hearing Burkhart. I, I love Kevin Burkhart, by the way, but hearing him and Greg Olson just love, love the 49ers for I love Greg pounding, Olson, by the way. Yeah, yeah. For pounding the Seahawks. I'm like, they're supposed to pound the Seahawks. Like, this is the Seahawks ceiling right now, the seventh seed in the NFC. They're not even supposed to be here. Yeah, but why can't you build on that? Why can't you build? Why can't you get better players around Geno Smith? They have a change, obviously, well, in the coaching they, staff. They, they did. They actually did get better. They didn't show it. Like they, their defense wasn't good. But when you look at 
they got Devin Wearspoon. They got, you know, they add, they add Jackson Smith, the jig ball and offense, and they kind of were the same. Maybe that's why Pete Carroll's not the coach anymore. Yeah, Eagle fans are not going to want to hear what you just said, Jeff Carr. Their defense uh, got worse. Yeah, so the Eagles went out and got their defensive coordinator to come in and be part of the new Fick Fangio staff. Clint Hurt, not, baby. Not, not a good sign if their defense got worse. New fresh coat of paint. He's uh he's gonna fix all the problems. He's a big Eagles. dude. He's a big dude too. He's a like, very like, big like, dude. He's, he's a very dude. Very big dude. He, he looks like he could play nose tackle right now. I probably, probably could. One guy who, as the coaching carousel went around and around and around and around, was desperately trying to get on it, and at this to this point failed, uh, is Chip Kelly. Uh, Chip, from what I understand, some reports I read, like was on the phone with every NFL team that had an opening. <laughs> Can we get a meeting? Can I come see you? Can I possibly? He struck out Washington, struck out Vegas. Uh, Chip Kelly wanting to get back into the NFL, even if it's just in a coordinator role. Uh, ready to jump ship on UCLA. I, I think that's more. Chip? I think it's more to stay in college football and having to keep your own players than one to be an NFL offense coordinator. College football is such a mess right now with NIL and these players. They, yeah. they they commit and then they want to leave and it's uh, how much am I getting paid to play here? And then and then you got to hear these people. I, I again, this is why I can't stand college football analysts just from knowing college football players. You got to hear oh. They're just kids. They're not kids anymore. They're getting paid a lot of money, some of these guys, to kids play college paid, football. Yeah. Well, they are kids. I mean, it makes it worse in a lot of ways when you give kids that much money. But, uh, yeah, I mean. But, but, but you know, the whole – the um, I, I'll go back to Villanova. Uh, their players were getting booed the other night uh, when they lost their fifth in a row. And one of the analysts said, well – you know, it's not fair to be booing the kids. I'm like, do you know how much CJ Bamba's getting paid right now to go yeah, to Villanova? Now, now it's fair to boo the kids. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't want to hear it. Like it's, it's realistic. It, it, it's sad, but that's the same. College baseball has actually ended up worse than college football when, in terms of the NIL, which is nuts. Yeah. It's like the Titanic. There's a very limited uh, number of lifeboats and everybody's trying to get on them because yeah. nobody wants to deal I, with I agree them. with your point. John and I have discussed it here on the exodus from college football to the NFL. Coaches just don't want to be bothered recruiting guys four times in their career. So I understand Kelly's line of logic. My question to you was, he couldn't get a sniff? Uh, he got a couple Apparently of not. Didn't get hired? <laughs> you said innovative. Chip Kelly d- does laps around uh, the new Washington offensive coordinator, Kingsbury. Well, he was innovative. Go. If he you're just reaching out for innovation, years ago. give me Chip Kelly over Cliff Kingsbury every day of the week. Why, why nobody hired Chip Kelly this offseason? Hey, Chip Kelly was innovative 11 years ago and Marvel movies are all the rage. Now no one wants to see a Marvel movie to save their life anymore. Yeah. Well, we're, we're backing Phase up a out. couple of years to find Cliff Kingsbury innovation. You got no problems backing up five years, but, oh, ten years, we can't go back for Chip Kelly's innovation. How do you equate that? But I think Chip's, uh, from my, I think Chip's reputation hurts him, he's, obviously. He's not a people person. Yeah. Um, what's, what's Cliff Kingsbury's reputation? He's I, it's, better, it's better than. Where'd he go to the, 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 where did he take his break to after he got fired? What island did he go uh, to? Island. He went to I don't island. know. He's got yeah, a very attractive. That... He's got a very attractive woman. If he's married, but uh, I understand. 
let, let me let me hire a guy who runs to Thailand when he gets fired. Yeah, that's that's why I want to bring on the, the Michael. vacation. Jody, where would you go if you got fired? Where would you yeah. go? Maui. It's better Maui, than Thailand. Uh, I'd be going to an island too, but I go to maybe the most beautiful island on the planet. You go where your wife girlfriend tells you to go. That's where you go. Um, but as far as Chip, some of us yeah, I mean, take terms, not be dictated to, well, but that's just that's me. well, you're rare, Jody. Most of us get dictated to. We're willing to admit that, but uh, I'm I, I will say about that. I will say about Chip, you know, he's got he's still got. Yeah, remember San Francisco happened as well. It wasn't just Philadelphia. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people look at Chip Kelly and assume that if he gets in the building, he's going to, you know, try to become the head coach. I think that works against him as well. Uh, I don't know, Cliff Kingsbury from Adams. So maybe he's a good guy. Maybe he's not a good guy. I have no idea. But I do know Chip a little bit. And Chip's a, Chip's a bit of a weirdo. So, uh, you know, that play that factors into it as well. And believe me, I wouldn't be looking to hire either of them, but I would just say I'd hire Chip long before I'd hire Chip. I, I think LaShawn McCoy is on a personal mission to make sure Chip Kelly never steps foot in an NFL locker room again. Yeah, and I'll say, you know, Deshaun and LaShawn are kind of unfair to Chip Kelly. He made personnel mistakes, but, you know, they've, they've yeah, they've done some, some dirt. My digging. biggest. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, because I love Deshaun Jackson. My biggest criticism of Deshaun Jackson to this day, and again, it's been almost 11 years, was after they lost that playoff game to the Saints. The first thing he wants to talk about is his contract. Like, come on, man. Yeah. That, that, not the time, not the place. That's sometime you need to move on. I Before we move on with you, Jeff Kerr, I apologize because I don't remember, but maybe you're on the record for this. Uh, elsewhere, I don't think you said it here on Birds 365. Jason Kelsey going to be starting center for the Eagles on opening day next year? 60% yes. Oh, we're we're shifting back. I like it. I, I honestly think he's going to wait till March to make that decision. And I, I don't know. It just feels like he's leaning the other way. Uh, you know, it's like he's had some time to process. He's had some time to get his body right. Um and again, a lot of this, uh, I'm basing it off Olivia Rayner's uh, article too. So, because she did talk to him in Baltimore. Yep. And, you know, I ran into her there and she was telling me about, you know, stuff he was saying. So, all right. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I'm still leaning towards retirement, probably 60 40 the other way. I think definitely he's not going to do it, you know, while Travis is still playing en route to the Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, then you'll hear it. Uh, but definitely, you know, I, I'll just remember another retirement that Adam Schefter reported that turned out to be true. And maybe uh, Tom Brady turned it around for spite. So maybe that happens. Uh, maybe that happens again. Uh, but yeah, not going to be not going to be spite. I'll tell both of you guys right here, right now. And the 371 people that streamed in the birds 365. The reason that Jason Kelsey will be back with the Philadelphia Eagles as their starting center next year, two words. Cafeteria? Nope. That's, only one. That's one word. That's, <laughs> That's one, one word, yeah. One That's long one word. word. No, two words. Novacare Cafeteria. There we go. There you go. No, incorrect. Taylor Swift. Oh, Taylor doing some good. That She's if, a genius, by the way. A marketing yeah. genius. Uh, last night at the Grammys, I'm going to win. Let's announce a new album while I'm at it. I'm telling you, she... She's a genius. 
she is a genius and she's going to do the Eagles a very big solid because that New Heights podcast, after Travis either wins or loses the Super Bowl, it's going to be about Travis, 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 and Taylor, 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 Taylor. And Jason's just going to be sitting there going, yeah, and I'm playing with my kids. Uh, No, I don't think he wants any part of that. He's got to be relevant. He's got to be, if not on a par, at least close to his brother. Otherwise, he becomes the little sidekick. And he's the older brother. He doesn't want to be the sidekick. I don't think that. I I truly think, yeah, I don't think. I I think Jason has his own life. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't Travis, think just time. from talking to both of them over the years, Travis is definitely the more flamboyant one. Like Jason will still be relevant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jason got laughed at. Yeah, by it's that. easy to say when you're both uh, all pro players. When one guy's retired, but Jason was relevant all pro was. who's dating Tra- Taylor Swift. You're not on the same plane anymore. Well, Do you yeah. want to be on the same well, plane though? You're never getting on that plane, Jody. I mean that that that's arguably the 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 biggest star in the world uh that travis is dating um unless you want to bring up the the wrestlemania headliner uh from the male side but uh yeah that uh, i mean what's he gonna do he's not divorcing kylie kylie's beautiful Uh, i mean what's he gonna do if here's the difference jason playing travis playing all right travis is out of him because he's dating taylor swift jason's retired travis is down that's a big difference. No. You're in the basement now. You're never, right? you're never catching up to Taylor Swift. I By the way, he yeah. was, but you want to stay in the same neighborhood. You want to stay on the same uh, zip code, not not be miles I away. Still, I'd rather have Jason's life than Travis's life. Travis's life just reminds me of the circus. And just everything that goes on between playing him for the cheese, being a future Hall of Fame tight end, the Taylor Swift questions every day. Jason Kelsey ain't getting questions about Kylie Kelsey every day. I can tell you that right now. Hey, by the way, Travis, you know, Travis uh, pursued her. So, you know. Well, if Travis, uh, uh, what's the term? Shoot your shot. Uh, yeah, shot a shot. Do you think Taylor dates him if he, back in 2013, if he's just that injured tight end on the Chiefs, that was the third no, round pick? I don't. No, I don't. Yeah, I probably but not. I'm, but I'm sure it's true love. I will say, since, uh, yeah, I'm sure people are thrilled we're talking about Taylor Swift. Are there really people that give a shit that they show her on top? Like, oh, yeah. I, I can't believe oh, they're yeah. all, I got the responses here. Personally, I think it's awesome for the NFL because you're getting a new Legion of fans in there, but heaven forbid it got violate the man code. You know, Jesus Christ. I mean, come on. Who cares? And the New York I, Times did a great job of breaking it down. The last game, she set her new all-time record. She was on TV for 44 seconds. And she's barely in a three on, and a man. half hour game, the most she's ever. If you go back to the first time she was shown when she started dating Travis, started showing up at game, her average time is 24 seconds. But last game, she went all the way to 44 seconds, and some people are losing their mind over how dare she interlope on the National Football League. And, oh, it's not God, like she started out of idiots camera. out there. It's not like yeah. she saw out the camera. That, that's the thing. She never does that. So it's, I don't really care. I think it's cool when they show her. It's like, oh, cool. Like the biggest female in the world, the, the biggest pop star in the world is at an NFL game cheering on an NFL team and an NFL player. I think it's awesome. Oh, well, I don't even get it with, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes gets a lot of crap 
for his wife cheering for him. Like, why wouldn't she? Why? Why? Yeah, what? Yeah, that, yeah. That, yeah, what's she supposed to bill him? Yeah, I, I don't understand. And Sometimes I don't good understand. Time. She's not the one who gets it. So who is the? Who would we say was the most famous couple before Travis and Taylor <laughs> in sports? That's a good question. Uh, David Beckham and uh, what the Spice and, and Posh Spice. You know, it's, well, it's go, if, if you want to go really old school, probably bigger. Mickey Mantle and, uh, and, and Marilyn Marilyn Joe, Joe DiMaggio. Joe DiMaggio Joe, and you know, Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, yeah, that, that was big. Marilyn uh, Monroe was. I found, that, I, I found out more information I need to know about Andre Risen than Left Eye Lopez. I, I cannot share on this show. Okay. All right. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep that. That's, a, that. that's what happens if you have a couple beers of Andre Risen. No. Uh, all right, Kerr. Uh, <laughs> we won't get you on again until next Monday. The Super Bowl will have been played by then. Uh, certainly, people need to stay on top of your opinion on CBSSports.com. But as of right now, what way are you leaning in the Super Bowl? I actually had to make my pick last Monday, and I picked the Chiefs. Um, I got an article today about uh, Travis Kelsey's transformation. Was he laying low for the postseason? I'm like, no, nah, this is just what he does in the postseason. He's like one of the greatest postseason players ever. I just think you're in the bag for Taylor Swift, so you were always going to pick the Chiefs no matter well, what. Why? Because we're both from Burks County? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Taylor you're Swift's the second. The- you're the second most famous person from Berks County. I think. <laughs> no, 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 no. I might be no. third. I think Ross Tucker got me beat too. Ross, Ross yeah, the, Ross. The, All right. So here's my little Taylor Swift story. Can I, I actually got a couple of them? But Taylor Swift used to sing in the auditorium in the basketball gym. I, I would practice in as a kid. All right, while you were while story. you were practicing, did you know then that no, no, none of us knew she was. None of us even cared to know who she was. Right. Uh, Should have shot your shot at the time. Yeah. She was a oh. nine year old. She was nine. We were ten. It wasn't All wasn't right. actually what thing. that's but age appropriate. You you probably should have figured it out. I got a shot yeah. here. I'm a year older. Yeah. I, yeah. I might be uh, over my skis. That's age appropriate. I am a year older. Wrong with that. There's no. Oh, it goes another way too. She. One of my buddies, she she wrote a song about. So, really, all right. Well, we get that next time we get John Jeff Carr. Always <laughs> a pleasure. Thank you very much for jumping in today. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks, guys. CBSSports.com is where you can read all of Jeff Kerr's musings. All right. McDonald, McMullen, Mac and Mac coming back here on Birds 365. Please come back with us. Hey, Birds fans, I got an opportunity for you right now. Here's your chance to save up to 40% on your car insurance from one of Jacob Sports' get, uh, great partners. Here's what you need to do. Call one of the two managing partners, either Jim or Fran, and tell them you're a friend of Jacob Sports and Birds 365. Hi, I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds!
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go birds! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. The Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. McMullen and McDonald, we thank Jeff Carr for jumping in. Carr's always fun on a Monday morning. Uh, appreciate him uh, joining the fray. Uh, Brian Cameron from Philly Sports Network, we've had on previously, does a nice job. Uh, it's been a while since we had Brian on, so I'm looking forward to talking to him. Um, jumped around, touched on a bunch of different things with Kerr. One thing didn't get to, my bad. Um, this time of year, people start to look at, if not the player uh, movements that a team can make, everyone but the Chiefs and the 49ers have already turned a page, started to look forward to next year uh, because of all the coaching moves that are coming down. People are focused on that. The other thing you got to keep an eye on, John, is, and it'll be a non-movement for several weeks until we get to the NFL new year, is cap room. I uh, did see a couple articles on who's got the most cap room, who's got the least cap room. The friggin' Saints are like $70 million over the cap. They always over do. the cap heading into next year. Now, you got to redo contracts. You got to cut guys. They, they, it's not like, oh, my God, they're going to throw them out of the National Football League because they've broken the rules. They'll get it together. They may yeah. pay a price for it, but they'll get it together. Um, Eagles at $20 million under 
which is, I think I saw 18th best, 18th most at this time, um, because nobody could do anything at this time. All rosters are frozen. You can't make any moves. It kind of stands out like a sore thumb as to where you're at. How much a difference does it make where you are on the cap scale at this stage? Is this something that the Eagle, we can either say the Eagles are in good shape, they're in bad shape, they're in middle of the road shape, uh, being 20 under and 18th in the NFL in cap space. What does that mean that, during this downtime? Uh, it doesn't mean much. I mean, you can manipulate the cap a lot of ways, and we've seen that with Howie over the years. And certainly the Eagles are, can create significant space by doing a number of different things, whether we talked about Jason Kelsey, if he retires, Fletcher Cox, if he retires, you know, you can move on from Kevin Kevin Bayard uh, creates a, a, a pretty significant uh, cap saving. You can extend people, <clears throat> you know, Hassan Reddick, for instance. Uh, what are they going to do with Hassan? If they extend him, they can make the cap number better. So, yeah, I wouldn't get worked up at uh, being 18th right now. They They have avenues. They've been in much dire circumstances than this, and they have obvious avenues where they can create pretty significant money. So they should be able to be players in free agency if they want to be players. And that's part of it as well. Um, You know, but that, but the teams that have a ton of money and right now it would be Washington, uh, you know, Tennessee, I think is at the top. The Patriots are at the top. Um, They tend to be bad teams. Yeah, and they and they're they've been setting up for that um, incrementally to make a move and and try to get a little bit better. So, you know, if you have a ton of money, it's not a good thing. If you're, as you mentioned, the Saints, which is this has become a yearly thing with the Saints kicking the can down the road, and they'll have to move on and make some difficult decisions by mid March. Um, it's probably not a good thing. So the extremes are never good. Uh, but when you're starting the process with 20 million or so in space, it's not, it's not, it's not bad. Let me follow up on a guy that you mentioned and get specific with him. And that's Hassan Reddick. Because going into last year, last year during camp, he was asked a couple of questions about his status as compared to the other best edge pass rushers in the NFL, because coming off last year, we considered him top two, top three edge pass rusher in the NFL. And Bosa got paid and a bunch of other guys got paid. And all of a sudden, it looked like he was woefully underpaid in comparison to what he was doing on the field and his production. And he didn't necessarily throw cold water on the hey, don't you want to get paid conversation too? He didn't hammer it. He didn't threaten to walk out of camp or anything like that, but either no commented or kind of hinted at, yeah, you bet your bottom dollar I want to renegotiate my contract and I wouldn't mind doing it right now. The Eagles didn't, and that was certainly their their choice and their uh, prerogative if they so desired. He had the season he had this year, which was certainly a come down from what he had done the previous year, not a bad season. I'm not going to say what the hell happened to Hassan Reddick. Uh, I think there were other bigger issues like the overall defensive system and uh, the uh, coordinators that were in place and dropping him back into pass coverage, which, oh, by the way, 
Vic Fangio may do too, because Fangio's not afraid to use his uh, off-ball linebackers, his edge line. Yeah, that, that, that's an insane narrative, by the way, that no edge rushers drop in a cup. It's happened since Dom Capers brought the zone blitz into the NFL 25 years ago, whatever it was. I don't know why people get, lose their minds with that. It happens all the time in every city. I And for some reason, oh, you dropped Hassan Reddick seven times in the coverage. He's playing 60 snaps. It's not a big deal. I, 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 like, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Uh, it, no, it, that's okay because you're right. And the only reason why I'll, I'll take your side of it is he still, you and I have had so much fun debating this, he's still listed as a linebacker. Um, we don't look at him as a linebacker. He doesn't look like a linebacker to us. The majority of the time, he doesn't play like a linebacker coming forward. Uh, he's much closer to the line of scrimmage, if not hand in the dirt, uh, than you would think of as an outside linebacker. But he's still listed as a linebacker. And guess what? Linebackers have to drop in coverage. <laughs> That's part of the position. I've been following football for 50 years. Yes, linebackers have to cover people in pass coverage. So you're right. People lose their line, uh, their mind too much about it. But uh, back to Hassan and his contract situation, he wanted to redo it this year heading into the season. Didn't get done. Played it out. Didn't have as productive. If we use the word regressed about Jalen Hurts, it's easier to judge a quarterback than it is a an edge player. But I think it's fair to say Hassan Reddick regressed some this year. May have been other reasons for it. Is that a potential contentious renegotiation for the Eagles this year with Hassan Reddick? Well, I think it's uh I think it's a difficult decision for the Eagles, but not because of the contentious nature of it. It's just of where Hassan is at his in his career. Um, and we all know how this league thinks about, you know, the the demarcation line up 30 and as you get closer it becomes more difficult to um you know spend significant years and significant money you expect the downturn and you know there's been guys who played much longer and much more effective and it hasn't so it's always from that stomp standpoint because you're also paying josh sweat significant money uh and you got to redeal with him i mean he's coming up again and they got to get another edge rusher as well on top of it. But, you know, he's got the biggest, as we stand here today, Hassan Reddick, if they if the Eagles don't do anything, he'll have the biggest cap number on the team for next year, um, almost $22 million. Um, I do not believe the Eagles want to carry that cap number into uh, next season. So, you know, are they going to? renegotiate extend them that would be the easiest way to get that cap number down that's that would be the way um i would go now if you're hassan and or hassan's agent uh, or and or hassan, you, you you know damn well why they drafted nolan smith the problem for the eagles is nolan smith didn't show much yeah so the plan of moving on from hassan reddick isn't really possible at this point. So that's where the contentious part of it comes in. You know, he's going to want as many years and as much guaranteed money guaranteed. as possible. That's um, key. And, 
but I do think something will be done um, to create some cap space, and he's a logical extension candidate. Now, if Nolan Smith showed up and had 10 sacks as a rookie, I think we'd be talking about him moving on from Hassan Reddick, to be honest. Um, can't do it now. Can't do it. Unless you get somebody else. So unless you flip it that way. Um, but right now, he looks way too important for the Eagles. Uh, and by just, the way, I expect him to have a huge year with Vic Fangio. Vic has a history of using big-time pass rushers very, very well. Uh, Khalil Mack, most notably recently. But even if you look at those Dolphins pass rushers before all the injuries, um, he he has a history uh, of taking advantage of those guys. And, oh, by the way, uh, I'm going to give you some old-school numbers. Some people would just, hey, Jody, what the hell are you doing reading these numbers? I still think they're pretty damn important. Last year, when I say last year, I mean 2022, Hassan Reddick, 17 games, 49 tackles, 11 sacks, five forced fumbles, three recovered fumbles. This year, Hassan Reddick, 17 games, 38 tackles as compared to 49, 11 sacks as compared to 16, one forced fumble as compared to five, and no fumble recoveries. So there's no way to spin it other than he regressed this year. He didn't have as good a year. You can explain it. You can justify it. However you want to spin it, that's fine. He had a lesser year, yet he's in a pretty good negotiating position because if the Eagles, you just stated, don't get something done with him, he goes, okay, yeah, I'll take my $20 million cap hit. And Howard's going, whoa, 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 whoa. It's on, we can't have you at $22 million. Well, then let's talk about some guaranteed money going forward. Yeah. And uh, Hassan turns 30 on September 22nd. So that'll probably be what? Week two, week three. Um, and he, he hits the magic 30 marks. So, um, you know, you know how NFL teams, 30 is a dirty word. Uh, yeah, except this past off season when they re-signed a guy heading toward 30 at the cornerback position which did not pay the dividends that yeah, well, Cody McDonald thought or John McMullen thought or Howie Roseman thought was going to uh, get paid. Mr. Bradbury, unfortunately, was the example of the uh, position that most teams take, nervousness when a player gets toward the age of 30. All right, he's McMullen, I'm McDonald. Mac and Mac Birds 365 coming up next. We haven't had a minor while. Looking forward to talking to uh, Brian Cameron from Philly Sports Network about the birds, get his thoughts on the Super Bowl. Uh, we'll continue on here on Birds 365 in just a couple. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call.
field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Super Bowl week Monday here on Birds 365 on Unfortunately, the Philadelphia Eagles won't be playing in the Super Bowl this year like they were this time last year. Uh, we're going to talk birds. We'll talk a little Super Bowl with our next guest. I haven't had him on in a while. Good to catch up with him again. Brian Cameron from phillysportsnetwork.com. Uh, Brian, here's where I want to start with you. I read your stuff on Philly Sports Network, but for those who haven't, Eagle season ends. Very disappointing. Beat down at the hands of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the first round of the playoffs. And the Eagles' powers that be react, a.k.a. Howie Roseman and Jeff Lurie. Would you call it an overreaction, an underreaction with they with what they put in place and the dominoes started to fall? Or would you say they handled it as best as humanly possible? I would say they reacted necessarily. I personally probably overreacted because I was calling for Nick's head. Um but I think they actually reacted necessarily just because you saw that there was no progress in the offense. You saw that the defense, just the way everything panned out with starting with Sean Desai, then going to Patricia, then seeing the defense regress the way they did and seeing Hassan Reddick, who you guys spoke about, dropping coverage so many times. Um, it was a necessary reaction for a team that should have been contending past the first round. Um and I, I actually, I'm actually a fan of the moves that they did make. Um, but I think it's, you know, it showed that they, they're aware that there is a Super Super Bowl window open at the moment, and they need to take advantage of it with the team that they have at hand. Um, all right, uh, let's use that. If it's necessary, Brian, why shouldn't that be baked in? Then it's an underreaction. Like if you have that many problems with the head coach, shouldn't you just show the courage of your convictions and fire the head coach? Again, I I personally 
I feel like Nick kind of just lost his gra- um, grasp of things. I, uh, I tell my guys um, in PSN this all the time. Like, I, I personally feel like Nick was really riding the high of the Super Bowl, of being a part of that moment, of getting there in his second year with the team. Um, he brought that into the season. He kind of saw it show a little bit more when, after the Chiefs game when he was yelling at the Chiefs fans. I get that as Nick's personality, which is great because we all love his antics on the sideline. We all love his passion. But at the same time, like, your team was not looking – how they should have been and it showed you know the lack of adjustment showed just how um just sh- it showed his inexperience but per se as a head coach um so in my 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 take on that would have been you see the team at hand you see the roster that you have the talent that you have they were severely underperforming everybody looked completely lost everybody looked just you know just not willing to be a part of anything this season and to me, it should have started started as a head coach, but luckily they don't pay me that money to make that decision. <laughs> uh, you, nor me, nor John, nor any of us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, we're asking you to evaluate the guy who is in that position. I like your line of thinking that Nick just needed to come down a couple pegs, that he was living a little too large off last year's Super Bowl appearance. What about Nick? What about his persona, his personality, and or the way he handles things? do you think can make that coming down a couple of pegs work that that is just what was needed. That's why they stuck with him. That there are certain things that they have to like about Nick Sirianni to keep him in the position after that collapse. What do you think those things are that if he gets back to, uh, they can have success again next year. I, I like Nick, the gardener, not Nick, the landscaper at this point. He like, he's acting like the landscape, the owner of the landscape company right now. Nick the gardener understood what was, you know, the weeds in the garden. He understood how to get the, the plants to bloom the right way, right? He he was humble enough. Um, again, I I feel like he his I don't want to say his ego got the best of himself, but somewhere along the way, he just got a little too too um too Hollywood for his position, for where he was in his career. Um, I get it, three years in a row, playoffs, great. You have a phenomenal team, but when you have guys like uh, A.J. Brown not producing for most of December, not, no touchdowns. When you have Jalen Hurts just looking lost out there, and, and you have an offense that um that's just running verticals down the field. When you guys have when you have guys that can actually get yards after the catch, similar to how the 49ers run their offense, um it just looked like Nick was just too uh, how can I say it? he was he was too lost in, into in in the the mojo of how things were flying with him. He was he was on a, a natural high where I feel like nobody could bring him down. Nick needs to go back to his, his roots. He needs to humble himself. He needs to be more um more open to the fact that, hey, like, you know, it's not always going to be sun, sunshine and rainbow. Like, you're going to have cloudy days, and you need, you need to learn how to adjust on those cloudy days. And I feel like this team just – there was no adjustment. Sean Desai, I feel like, made the most adjustments when he was first – um when he was coaching in the first half of the season with um the secondary that he had. But outside of that, we saw no – actual adjustments made to help progress this team to help this team make the necessary plays you saw deandre swift at times disappear from the um the offense you saw aj brown disappear you saw dallas goddard get a lack of touches you saw jalen hurts just looking so confused as to where he should go with his reads that you you literally i mean obviously they suffered a historical collapse but you literally just um imploded like that's that's the best way to put it you imploded a team that was just there for the taking you had everything that you needed to make take this team to the to the promised land and the head the coaching staff is in my opinion is what really blew it all right i'm gonna i'm gonna step on jody's toes here brian and go hypothetical on nice. you um it let's say the eagles turn it around 
uh, mm -hmm. next year, and they become a significant Super Bowl contender again. Never say you're going to win it because a lot of things got to go the right way. But they're a really good team, significant Super Bowl contender, deep playoff run. Who's going to get the credit for that? It's going to be Kellen Moore and it's going to be Vic Fangio. And, you know, we're going to be at this point of the year, hiring season. And let's say the Dallas Cowboys are one and done, as usual. Mike McCarthy's out there. And the Dallas Cowboys come looking, hey, you know what? We used to have Kellen Moore. Let's go get Kellen Moore back to be our head coach. And you're stuck with Nick Sirianni. What do you do, Ryan Cameron? Um, you sell the team and you move them to another state. <laughs> <laughs> you, you panic as much as you can. Um, I, I don't like this setup. <laughs> and, and the reason I ask that, I do not like this setup a little bit from Jeffrey. Mm -hmm. And I blame Jeffrey Lurie. If you're listening, if you've heard me say, um, this is because this is his decision. Nobody else. Don't blame it on Howie. Um, obviously, don't blame it on Nick. This is Jeffrey Lurie's decision. I, I, I don't see the wiggle room in out. Even if it works, you're going to lose Kellen Moore, or you got to make a really difficult decision. Then explain to people why you fired a coach with a 700 winning percentage and four consecutive playoff bursts. He's kind of outthought himself into a corner, from mm -hmm. my perspective. I I, and I completely agree with that, hundred percent. I feel like they they wanted uh, I hate to use this, but they wanted the yes man, right? They wanted the guy that was going to be willing to listen to their their thoughts, their ideas, and their um the way they wanted things to run, which we knew Doug was not a big fan of. Um, and Nick is that guy. Nick is the guy who's gonna you know he's gonna take their thoughts into account and actually go with it. Um, but yeah, next year if Kellen Moore gets a whole head coaching job, if Vic Vangio decides to leave, whatever case may be. Um, you're right back where you started because we know Nick cannot develop guys. He has he doesn't have a tree underneath him that he can really go with. Jonathan Gannon wasn't really part of the Seriani tree per se. You get me? Um, and then Shane Steichen was, you know, he had he, he tumbled in the Los Angeles, but he came to Philly, he figured it out, and he was a star in Philly. Um, I would hate to see this to be an every other year thing with the Eagles, which you know coincides with what you're saying because I feel like the Eagles need to kind of drop their ego a bit and go after a head coach that's actually going to be the the guy in the room, the, you know, the, the, the gravitational pull in the room. I don't think Nick is that guy. I think he has a great culture. I think he has a, he has a, the right intentions, but he's not a Mike Rabel. Um, I'm not going to put Belichick in there just because I feel like Belichick will be a little chaotic. Um, but he's not Dan Campbell per se. Like he's not a CEO that, that's, you know, that's, a, that's me pulling on people to, to gravitate for him. Like, like he, like he did in the beginning. Now people know who you are. Now people know that, Hey, when you were two and five, you were calling the plays and then Shane Steichen took over. And then a year later during the Super Bowl. after that, you had Brian Johnson come in and nobody developed Brian Johnson to actually do things um, either better or similar to how Steichen was doing. It was just a repeat of how Sirianni and, was doing and, it. By the way, to just and throw this at both of you, because I want to hear both of your perspective. I think Brian's kind of, his thought process is kind of the same as Jeffrey's. So again, if that's your thought, and that's fine, why the hell is the guy here? Mm -hmm. I, 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 that's, I keep going back to that. I can't figure it out. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not as down on Sirianni as apparently Brian is. Um <laughs> Then Jason Kelsey over the weekend, Devontae Smith, Fletcher Cox. Some of the big players on this team 
have really come to the defense of Nick Sirianni. I'm just, you, you, you can, oh, I'm with you. You guys I, are both reporters, I, I, so you've done it. You've talked to players. You've been in the locker room. Sometimes guys stay up just because they say stuff, mm-hmm. and they're giving you a parroted line and whatever. And then you can look at a guy and know he means what he says. I think he's had some heartfelt uh, votes of confidence from key players on this team. So I don't know that he can't be that good CEO coach and 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 joiner of men and have a uh, team character. I, I'm willing to give him that chance next year. I'm going in. With oh, by the way, uh, because uh, people will get my mentions and say stuff. May, let me make this very clear. I think Nick's a good coach. I mm-hmm. I think um, Jeffrey doesn't think he's a good coach. And if you think that, that's fine. I might be wrong. Wouldn't so be then wait a minute. Hold on. If Jeffrey thinks he doesn't think he's a good coach, he's here because he's Gumby and he's malleable <laughs> and you can just pull him and stretch I'll him wherever you want. I'll, I'll ask both of you guys. If you think somebody is a good coach, why do you take their power away from being a good coach? It doesn't make sense to me. So that's why I I I I lean towards look, if you do what Jeffrey Lurie did to Nick Sirianni, I haven't had this discussion with Jeffrey. I wish Jeffrey would talk to us, but I haven't had this discussion with Jeffrey. If you if you believe he doesn't deserve the power to have these hirings, you don't think he's a good coach. So why are you keeping him? That's my thought process. That that's where I am with Jeffrey Lurie. It's evident by your actions that you don't think this guy is capable of making these decisions. And if you think that, again, your team, do whatever you want. But straddling the fence is the one part that doesn't make sense to me. He's becoming, yeah, I, becoming I, the, I, the scapegoat for them, per se. I feel like Nick, Nick Sirianni is going to take all the, all the hits with everything that goes wrong from here on out. But I completely agree with John. Like, you know, you, you strip them of everything. The offense is not his anymore, which is that's who he is. He's an offensive guy. Um, and that's where he came here to, you know, develop the wide receivers to create um, to create that that playmaking ability in Philly that didn't exist for a long time. But then we got A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and they show it out completely. But I feel like this season's setback was just there's a lot of questions that, that went unanswered, whether it was Brian Johnson's fault, whether it was actually Nick Sirianni's fault. Nick, you know, kind of saying this is his offense. This is his offense. But it was a very, very, very stale offense that. It, it, again, it brought me back to the, to the time that they were in two and five and nobody could figure out what this team was going to be like on the net. Yeah, I'm going to sound like the biggest Nick Sirianni defender on the face of the planet <laughs> here, but I'm okay with that. Um, they found the floor in Nick Sirianni's. When you're judging a guy as a coach, used a very broad term. Uh, he, he doesn't have faith in him as a, or he does have faith in him as a coach. Part of being a coach was, and Nick Sirianni had that, that, that uh, power, in picking your coaches to coach under you. He might not be good at that. He brought Shane Steichen along, and that was a good call. Jonathan Gannon, because John McMullen tells me so, and I believe him, was not a Nick Sirianni hire. That was a Philadelphia Eagle hire. They mm-hmm. they reached out to him and were going to hire him, no matter who they hired as head coach. So he doesn't get any credit for Gannon. And if you believe that it was Nick Sirianni who picked Sean Desai and Brian Johnson this year, well, then he's oh for three in my well, so uh, he's one for three think, in my book, and they I said and you're oh for two the last two year this past year. So sorry, you're going to lose that part of your responsibility. I don't think that demarks you as a bad coach. 
a coach who can't have credit in because well, he may do uh, coordinator hires and they both flop. I'll, I'll tell you guys why I don't buy that. Um, it, it's a cyclical thing with this organization. And I went through it with Doug. And they as they kicked Doug in the ass uh, out the door, that was the narrative. Oh, well, he just he doesn't have a Rolodex. He can't coach his coaches. And they raved about Nick Sirianni. This is the guy. This guy coaches. His, they use that term numerous times. He coaches his coaches. He not only does, and then all of a sudden they have a, a, a stretch of six. And it was ugly. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to defend it. And now all of a sudden, oh, he can't do it either. So evidently there's only one guy in the building who can do it. And that guy knows nothing about the, the nuts and bolts of coaching football coaches. And that's Jeffrey Lurie. Um, and I've been hard on Jeffrey Lurie and I will continue to be hard because this is the same bullshit guys that they peddled with Doug Peterson mm -hmm. and it's repeating. And they actually said, Oh, this is why Nick is better. This is why Nick is better because he can coach his coaches. And here we are after all these wins and three playoffs, And now all of a sudden he can't coach his coaches. I can't buy it. I can't buy what they're selling me. Yeah. yeah Any yeah. reaction? And Brian, I don't disagree. Here's, here's where John, <laughs> John and I have split on this too. Um, John, we both believe in continuity, but I believe in continuity earned, not continuity for continuity's sake. And here's my opinion of the job the two coordinators did for the Philadelphia Eagles this year. They both stunk. I think Brian Johnson stunk. I think Vic Fangio wasn't good enough. And I think they both did poorly enough that they deserve to be fired. And if you are, Jeff Laurie and Howie Roseman, I'll combine them together for this particular conversation not just jeffrey because i think it's jeffrey in consultation with howie they deserve to be fired so i'm not going to not fire them because oh we got to keep continuity or oh we have to back our words with what we said about sirianni that he's a coach's coach no what's the most important decision you got to make you got to move on from guys who aren't good enough in their job so that's why i don't have a problem with them bouncing both coordinators this year how about you brian I'm I'm curious now to going back to what John John was saying. Um, Brian Johnson, he was a Sirianni hire, was he or was he not? Well, the way it was set up no. uh, is is no, he wasn't a Sirianni Originally, guy. But Howie, I think yeah, you Howie, agree. You agree he was major mover and shaker in Brian getting the offensive coordinator position. How he brought him in mm, and made him the the QB I think I've kind of mentioned on the show the mover and shaker for Brian becoming offensive coordinator is that the Eagles thought they were going to lose him if they didn't make him offensive coordinator. And somebody, and they were right. Somebody else last year was going to hire him to be the offensive coordinator. So they didn't want to lose him. I think if we're up to Nick, Kevin Petullo, I don't have that. I, I think he would have been the offensive coordinator. It was just up to Nick. But mm. they didn't want to lose Brian Johnson. Nick was a part of that. But to your point, Brian, the way the Eagles set it up, there were certain guys, Shane Steichen, and – because the Eagles got very mad when I reported that Jonathan Gannon was going to be the defensive coordinator, no matter what he was. So it wasn't like Nick didn't approve him. He wanted Jonathan, but it wasn't like they forced Jonathan on him. They had a relationship, mm -hmm. but he was going to be here. If they hired Josh McDaniels, Jonathan Gannon would have been the defensive coordinator, which was my point. And they don't push back on that. It was going to happen. Um, 
Now, other guys, he didn't. Jason Michael was the Nick Sirianni guy. A certain, the tight ends coach, certain guys. Um, what he didn't have a specific guy, how he would collect candidates like Brian Johnson, the quarterback's coach, and Nick would make the decision. So Nick hired Brian Johnson, but he was not te- technically a, a Nick Sirianni guy, and he grew to be. But here's my thing, and I'll say this. And again, we go back to coaching the coaches. The guy who worked, and this is why Doug Nussmeyer is the most important positional coach hire. Why? Because he's got to work with Jalen Hurts on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Who worked with Jalen Hurts on a day-to-day basis when he showed his most improvement as a player and became the runner-up MVP in this league to Patrick Mahomes? And he played better than Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Brian Johnson. Johnson. And now all of a sudden he can't coach. I, I it, it, None of what the Eagles do. And I said the same thing, and Jody knows. Doug shouldn't have gotten fired. And Doug, Doug and and. Jody, you used the term earned, um, which I agree with you. Doug Peterson earned it. Nick Sirianni earned it. That's my point. They have earned it, and they should have gotten the opportunity. Now, if Nick goes forward this year and it blew up on him, then you fire him. But he earned the opportunity to, to make his own decisions, and I think for the second time, an astonishing amount with all this success, Jeffrey Lurie's done the same thing. It bothers me. It really yeah. is. It's too it's too close in, to, to to be coincidental at this point. I mean, he did it with, with Doug when I feel like Jim Schwartz wasn't a Doug hire I, as well. They kind of like they they brought him in to to be the guy. And those those rumors that Schwartz would be, you know. Oh yeah, Jim Jim yeah. was hired by the organization, yeah. but Doug didn't have a problem with it. Yeah. Which, but it's just weird. It's, it's it's the same story playing over and over again. And at some point, like Jeffrey Lurie has to get to the point where your hands are not in the cookie jar no more. It's okay to you know to to own the kitchen, own the restaurant, but you got to let the chef, you got to let the the the, um, the major they you got to let them do all do all do their job. Let them do their job. If they fail, they come to the table. They 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 work with you on how they need to structure things. But you got to let them, let them fail their way. Um, I think the biggest mistake this year was the whole Sean Desai and Matt Patricia handling. Like it was just astonishing how they did that in the middle of the season. <clears throat> in the middle of the season, or ten and one. And, and by the way, I blame move. that on Nick. That is yeah, that, that was a Nick terrible Nick decision, and it was a very terrible, terrible move. It was a terrible decision, and I think he'll learn from it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Hopefully. I agree with you. No defense, terrible decision, terrible. I think people forget the Eagles' defense. They had some. Pretty good moments early in the season with they Sean did. Desai. Yeah. Um, starting in Tampa well. week three, uh, Los Angeles, out in Los Angeles, they played well. Miami, they played well against my, the Dolphins, which was a high-powered offense at the time. Yeah. And even Kansas City, I mean, they you, they held down Mahomes for most of yeah. the game. I mean, it was yeah. it was impressive to say the least. And I know the rumors came out that Desai was disconnected with the team, disconnected with the players. I get that. Um, but that's something you handle at the end of the season. Let him if he's gonna crash and burn, let him crash and burn. Don't you know? Don't don't. If I'm mixing around, my thing is don't put yourself in a position where you're gonna look like the asshat. Like you can't look like the clown of the yeah. Circus. I, I I agree. That was a terrible decision. Yeah, and, uh, and I, I I've said here on Bird Three Sixty Five, it's a fireable offense. If they had moved on from Nick Sirianni, 
one of the key things they would have pointed to was his call to pull the defensive coordinator three quarters away through the season and replace him. And he was thinking about it, guys. He started thinking about it at the bye week, and they were whatever, eight and one. Mm -hmm. They were eight and one. And he was thinking about um, moving on from his defensive coordinator. I mean, yeah, yeah. This, one it, it, one it, other note on what we've been discussing, then I want to get uh, Brian's thoughts on the upcoming football. Um, you got to be careful. Sometimes a guy is great in a position. He's great at that position. It doesn't mean he's going to be ready to take the next step up. And that's what I think happened to Brian Johnson. As a buddy, as a pal, as a back rubber, he was great for Jalen Hurts. You're right. He had his best season. He could have won the MVP, whatever. So let's advance him to a position where he's actually got to be on a parallel, if not a boss of Jalen Hurts. When he's his buddy and his pal, it was great. When he became his actual coach, offensive coordinator, did not work nearly as well. So mm-hmm. you got to keep that in mind when you're uh, going to give a guy a promotion. Just because he was great in one position doesn't guarantee. Well, I agree with that, but I think it's kind of harsh to call him a buddy and a pal. I think he coached him well. I think his mechanics were better. His understanding of the offense were better. And I think that has to do with the guy working with him day to day. Well, he wasn't working with him day to day. So the offense, you have a a much bigger, you're right. You have a much bigger stuff on your plate. You got to deal with everybody. You got to put everything together, piece it all together and everything. The guy responsible. And that's where Alex Tanny's gotten his own hate, uh, certainly from the organization as well. And he was a first time position coach. And now Mm -hmm. you have a guy with 20, whatever, three years of experience, uh, Doug Nussmeyer, the pendulum swings, as we say, now they go with all this experience, but I will note that Jalen hurts never played better than when Brian Johnson was teaching him on a day-to-day basis. Now, you're right. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. He's not going to go back to being the quarterback's coach. I'm not trying to say that. And he failed as an offensive coordinator, at least relatively from expectations. They had a top-10 offense. Mm-hmm. I would have let him grow, but I'm a continuity guy. I, I expect hiccups with young coaches. Yeah, they were That's bad me. enough that I was okay with him being given his walking papers. All right, Brian, you got the Chiefs <laughs> and the 49ers, not the Chiefs and the Eagles this year. Chiefs and 49ers with the Taylor Swift show coming to Las Vegas. That's not <laughs> much of a surprise. Um, Andy Reid's got a chance for another Super Bowl win. Uh, Sparks conversation. What if Andy had said? No, we don't even want to go down that road. But the Chiefs are what they are. They're a dynasty. I think they've mm-hmm. already achieved, achieved dynastic status. If they win, it'll just add to it. Yet they're the underdog in this game, a two-point dog to the San Francisco 49ers. How are you looking at the matchup next Sunday between San Francisco and Kansas City? To me, I feel like it's the battle of the whiners. I mean, you have the, the Patrick Mahomes who's always whining after every play, and you have the 49ers <laughs> who whine after getting eliminated. Um <laughs> This is probably one of the most Super Bowl, matches, Super Bowl matchups that's probably going to be really good, but I'm just not looking forward to it because of the teams. But at the same time, I, mean, I feel like, you know, the Chiefs deserve a lot of credit for getting back into it with the offense, the, the playmakers that they have. Pat Mahomes did it with, you know, guys like that. Was, that I think they led the league in drops during the season. If I'm mistaken. Yeah. Oh, um, early. They were bad. Yeah. He, yeah. he did it. He, he brought them to the Super Bowl, brought them to the promised land. Andy Reid, we know he's a genius. We've known that since, you know, his times in Philly. 
Um, but Pat Mahomes, I feel like this is his moment to kind of just put himself on that, that plateau where it's like, yeah, you can talk about me in the, the realm of a Peyton Manning and in the realm of a Tom Brady, possibly. I don't think he's the, you know, the greatest of all time at this point, but he's, he's definitely on the cusp of something great at the moment. Um, and I, I, I would like to see the Chiefs do it as much as the tabloids are going to be so annoying about the Taylor Swift stuff. Um, but again, I mean, it's a it's good, a good matchup on paper. I'm not a big fan of the matchup because of the two teams, but I, I, I do think the Chiefs pull it off and kind of, you know, we'll hear the 49ers complaining all, all summer long. And then they'll, they'll say how they were robbed of the Super Bowl somehow, some way. Um, but it's definitely a good matchup on paper. Yeah, it is. At B. Cameron, PSN. Uh, you mentioned uh, make sure you follow Brian on Twitter, X, uh, read him at the Philly Sports Network. Um, you, you, you mentioned Patrick Mahomes and sort of his legacy and where he is. And I'm with you. The longevity is not there yet. But, mm-hmm. man, he's already getting the conversation. Six consecutive championship games, Super Bowls. Are, and, again, roster-wise, San Francisco is a better team. Yes, Yet absolutely. I think most people are saying Kansas City is going to win. And most people are saying Kansas City is going to win because of Patrick Mahomes. At what point do you cross that line and say, all right, this guy's a good young quarterback to this guy's one of the best quarterbacks of all time? I think he's already there. I really do. He's definitely on that cusp where it's like at the, at the end of his season. I mean, at the, at the end of his career, you're going to really look back and say, like, this is this is the LeBron of, of, this, of this generation of football right now. Um, he's, he's, he's literally become that person at a such young age. And another thing I feel like a lot of people need to acknowledge is like the greatness of Andy Reid. I mean, how many consecutive championship games did he um, appear with, you know, Philly and then now Kansas city. Oh yeah. Andy's unbelievable. He's, yeah. he's he deserves to be in that conversation up there with the Bibella checks. Although he doesn't have the same amount of Super Bowl wins. The guy has been consistent more than I feel like any other coach in the league outside of Bill Belichick. Um, but to see what they've done this season, I mean, when they when they lost to Philly, it just looked like they were on a downward spiral because they didn't have the guys that they needed to uh, to be you know playmakers out there. Travis Kelsey looked like a shell of himself at at one point, and now they're they're on the cusp of winning another Super Bowl back to back. Pat Mahomes, he's definitely he's he's definitely going to end up in that in that conversation with with Brady. Um, I I feel like when it comes to the end of his career with the same amount of titles, um, he's just that guy that's just it's hard to stop him. It's, it's, it's literally hard to stop him. You can try your best, but he finds ways to make things happen. He is a Hall of Fame coach, and he's already earned that distinction. He's just adding to the legend uh, if they win again this Sunday. All right, I got Jeff Curry on the record. I'm going to do this with basically every guest until we get an announcement from the Eagles starting center. Give us the percentage breakdown. Jason Kelsey is back as the Eagles starting center for opening day next week. Uh, next year, excuse me. Right now, I would say 75%. If the Chiefs win, I'm giving Jason Kelsey a bump to like 89% because wow. he's going to want to go back and, and do what his brother did. Um, I think it would be great to see Jason again. Um, and I think Cam was did a, a decent job on the right uh, right guard as well as Tyler Singh. Tyler Singh could probably take another year to um, develop even more. But uh, I, I'd see Jason playing one more year if the Chiefs um, win. If the Chiefs don't win, I give a 75% chance that he'll, he'll be here. Uh, the only way I get below 50% because I'm above 50% with you is if the Chiefs win and 
uh, Travis walks off into the sunset to uh, oh, yeah. go on tour with Taylor. If if he's retiring, then Jason will retire with him, and they, they can do their podcast as two old men retired NFL players. But yeah. if if Travis is still playing, oh yeah, I think Jason's going to want to play. This I think Jason's going to want a taste of it, and maybe we, yeah. maybe we got a rematch. You never know. Well, for what it's worth, Travis already said he's coming back. So um, it's one of the reasons girl. why I'm above fifty percent with Jason doing the same. Brian, great stuff. Appreciate you jumping in today. Thank you, bud. We'll get you back up in a couple of weeks. I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, John, it was good seeing you. Jody as well. And yeah, go birds. Make Thanks, sure Brian. you check appreciate out it. phillysportsnetwork.com. Brian covers the birds for them and does a uh, outstanding job. And we enjoy having him on the show. You know who you reminded me a little bit there? Marcus Hayes. Not afraid to call people on the carpet. Yeah. The whiner, the, the whole whiner Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah that, that, that uh, Mahomes guy. Yeah, he's a pretty damn good quarterback. But, man, it's he a whiner. And well, the 49ers yeah. whine about everything. Yeah. Take a no prisoners. Call it out, guys. And I have to say again, because I'm already getting it on Twitter. I believe... I, John McMullen, believe Nick Sirianni should be the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. When I when I say those things, I, I'm talking about Jeffrey Lurie's belief, which obviously kept him, but I don't know why he kept him if he doesn't want to let him do his job. Is where I am with the Sirianni. Yeah, you thing. don't you don't think they they can thread that needle. And I'm admitting that it is threading of the needle. It's not easy what they're asking Sirianni to do. But I think it can be done that you can have some of your power usurped and still stay a viable CEO coach in the NFL. You don't. You think you got to make a decision one way or the other. Either give him a pass and say, now, now you're really under the microscope. We'll let you keep your coaches. We'll give you your power base. Or you can leave. Yeah, you and that's where I'm threading the needle because everybody brings up Dan Campbell and John Harbaugh. To me, he's not Dan Campbell, John Harbaugh. He's Jason Garrett. That's to me is the threading of the needle. Why He's can't he? Why can't he be Dan Campbell or John? Because Harper? they have power. They have power to in in enact their vision. Um, Jer- Jerry Jones back in the day uh, took that power away from Jason Garrett. Jeffrey Lurie has taken that power away from Nick Sirianni. Nick, when when Dan Campbell, when things weren't going well with uh, Anthony Lynn. Dan Campbell fired Anthony Lynn and elevated Ben Johnson and the Lions took, took off. He had that power to do that. Nick doesn't have that power to say, Hey, you know what? Things aren't working out with Kellen Moore. I'm going to go with Kevin Petullo midway through the season. My guy uh, uh-uh, ain't happening. Um, that to me is the difference. And here's where it may have come down to it. We well, we talked about it earlier, and I, I gave you my line on it. He had the power. He flexed his muscles. He decided Sean Desai needed to be replaced. He did. He and did. he replaced the mat with Matt Patricia. Yes. So and my, loser, wrong decision. Is, Let, let's but, give him. Let's give him another shot on that one next year and watch. No, him make a major well, that's my point. If it, that then you. Make a decision. Don't straddle defense. If you think that's a fireable offense, I'd, I'd have respect for that. I wouldn't agree with it, but I'd have respect for that and say, all right, that was a really bad decision. You had to move on. I get it. What I don't get is straddling defense and trying to thread that needle you were talking about, Jody. I think he deserves one more chance. You know, they took the power away. 
uh, it, it, different ways of looking at it. And long term, as I said, if you want to go the hypothetical route, which I know you love, where's the end game? Even if it su- succeeds, then you got an even tougher decision because in your mind, he was the problem. Again, actions speak louder than words. And if you will go 14 and three again and make the NFC championship game, and then Kellen Moore's out the door, or what are you going to do? Fire Nick Sirianni after a 14 and three, three season and an NFC championship game. You already told us he can't run the offense. Kellen Moore in, in such a situation obviously ran a very good offense. So in that hypothetical, you boxed yourself into a corner. Uh, here's here's if I'm Jeffrey, here's my uh, position. If that ha- happens hypothetically, as you laid out, how are you? Who you got next on the list for offensive coordinator? Because that's what it's going to be. Sirianni keeps his job. Kellamore goes out the door. Howie, who you got next? And that's where you go from there. And what, Kingsbury after one and done and one. <laughs> yeah, that 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 uh, I may have to resign from Birds 365 if that's the case. All right, McMullen McDonald coming back to put a ball on the show. Stay right there. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust. Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN.
A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. All right, ran a little late here on Birds 365, so we'll put a quick wrap on this bad boy. I need one prediction out of you, John McMullen. Between now and Sunday, Sunday they'll actually have the game and we'll find out who's taken down a championship, Chiefs or 49ers. Will there be a story slash scandal of a player gambling in Las Vegas? Because they came out with the no gambling period, no slots, no gaming, no nothing. Where and and yeah, man, we didn't even get to it today. The story about the your, your boy. Can you get? Can you get uh, the head of the uh, all elite wrestling on with us? Tony, can you get your boy Tony. Uh, Tony Tony's kind of busy, but yeah, uh, he's kind of busy. Uh, the the Jaguar employee. Yeah. That's oh yeah. Twenty 20. million off the top. And put it through FanDuel and lost it all. There's a significant story to be told about the NFL and gambling. So they took, before that ever broke, it's a story. Maybe they knew ahead of time. Yeah. And it just came out. Uh, no gambling. Not a pe- No, anybody, any of the players can do none of it. Will there be a gambling scandal? I, I don't think so because they'll cover it up. There might be eventually. But uh, I told you they're, they're keeping the players well away from the strip. Uh, 30, 40 minutes away, Lake Las Vegas. So um, they're trying to do everything possible. But, yeah, I mean, the guys who've gotten suspended, Isaiah Rogers, one of them uh, that could be coming back for the Eagles next year, they signed him. Um, yeah, that's a drop in the pocket, man. There's much more. This this is a mess. And, you know, I, I'm, I don't know how you stop it. And, and their defense, they fought it um, once they – realized it was going the way it was going. Then it was about monetizing it the best way possible, making the most money because not letting other people make money. I know we got to go. This is a longer discussion, but I don't know how you stop it. Again, I already used it today. Toothpaste is out of the tube. You can't get it back in. Um, You got to deal with it as best you can. I think they were too harsh on the guys that gambled. You know, we had that discussion before. Guys picking up their phone, they, they one flip of the. It's, you know, if you're betting on baseball, basketball, that's how I would go about it. Who gives a crap? You know, if you're betting on football, then you got it. That's that's how I would handle it, and that's I guess the best case in a bad world. Yeah, but, but you know that that's like the way they uh, handle their game. The problem isn't the call; it's the judgment ahead of time that you want the referees to call certain things you don't want to it's it's the putting together of the rules not the actual call on the field same thing with gambling and a punishment they set it up everyone knew what the punishments were they they made it very public to the player they told me you can't do this and then you go ahead and do you go oh my god uh, that's so unfair to the player well no if you were unfair to the rule to begin with, if you believe that, you could say that. But breaking a rule that you know you're not allowed. Yeah, to Yeah, but there was a, there there was a lot of talk. Yeah, the assumption that the players are reading these arcane rules he put out there there were there was a lack of education on what the arcane, rules were. Wait, doesn't arcane mean old? No, well, it means uh, uh, it very difficult uh, to understand. It, it, it they've done. 
a really bad job to this point of educating very young men. We talked about college players earlier being kids. These are very young men. And to assume that they know the rules because you publicized them in the New York Times is very not not the way you should be going about it. They you should be in these buildings. You don't think the teams had meetings where they coach standing up there or yeah. someone's there? Yes, and they did. Here are the things you cannot do. Yeah. Do you think they lost over it or do you think yeah. they told these players and the players are not paying attention? Yeah, exactly. It's not the team. Exactly. Well, you know, a 10-minute meeting where, yeah, a bunch of players, and you can you can play hardliner all you want, but we all know the lack of attention span of this generation. So you can either stick your head in the sand and say it doesn't exist and say it's up to you and suspend a bunch of people. And by the way, they won't suspend quarterbacks or important players. And you can create this or you can really try to educate people, and they don't. So, I mean – Half put in, half put out, very similar to straddling fences with the coaching staff. Either educate them or don't, or or play hardliner and be Tom. How you can educate them if they have no attention span? Well, it, it, the point of an attention lack of an attention span is you got to do it again and again and again and again and again until it gets through, and keep up not having one ten minute meeting saying, "All right, now go do it. Now go go do your regular stuff." Um, they just did a bad job. This league is very, I say it all the time. It is very, and I know Xander's going to kill us. It is very reactive. It is not proactive. It reacts. It's never proactive. Roger Goodell, he's having his press conference today, I believe, by invitation only. He doesn't want to be uh, talked about with these having having to answer difficult questions. It's a reactive league. They're never proactive, and gambling is an abject mess. If they don't want to deal with it, don't deal with it. You can react, but that's the way they are. Mm-hmm. Let's see the reaction from the Jaguars. The Jaguars' reaction was, hey, can we have our money back, FanDuel? And that ain't working, Tony. <laughs> and they laughed at him. All right, Man. we are way late. Thank you very much for sticking around. All 300 still logged in. Hit the like button on the way out the door. Thank you very much, McDonald and, McD- and McMullen. Back tomorrow in 2 and 2. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.